person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Most importantly, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He will testify of me. And you really know when the operation of the gift of the Holy Spirit is functioning well, when Jesus Christ is being glorified among the people. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. We're going to be looking at the second half of John chapter 10, verses 22 through 42. And so we find in our text today, we're going to be looking at The question that they asked Jesus, are you the Christ? And I broke it into four sections, and we're going to look at the Christ, verses 22 through 24, my works, verses 25 through 30, my Father's works, verses 31 through 38, and finally the calm before the storm, verses 39 through 42. And so, Father, we ask that you would be with us as we look into your word this morning I pray, Father, that you would just open our hearts to receive that which you would have for us. Father, let your living word come alive in our hearts this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, have you ever asked somebody to pray for you? Most likely all of us have. Could you pray for me? Well, just think about it in Hebrews 7.25, that Jesus is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hey, you can ask me to pray for you, and I will do my best to say a prayer for your need. But I can't help to think that there's no one greater to pray for our needs than that of Jesus himself, that he always lives to make intercession for us there at the throne of God. And if Jesus' watchful care is not good enough for you, If that's not comfort enough for you, well then just remember that Father God is also watching over you, watching over the lives of those who believe in his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Third, we see the Father's works in verses 31 through 38 as Jesus continues. Well, John tells us, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? 
I said, you are gods. If he calls them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I have said I am the son of God? If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. My father's works. They complained, you're making yourself to be God. They took up stones to stone Jesus. And I know we don't have stonings around here today. It's nothing that is accustomed. And I think this is very significant. The Jews attempted to do this many times with Jesus, and, and they never succeeded. And I believe the reason they never succeeded is because God never ordained that Jesus would be stoned to death. I think there's a few things that play into that. But it was also not his hour. It was not his time to die. Well, they attempted to stone him because he was equating himself with God. In John 8, 59, he had said, I said we'd come back to this, John 8, 59, Jesus declared that he is I am. And he used the Greek is ego imi, it means I am. But he used the very words that God gave to Moses in Exodus 3.14 when Moses said, And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God answered to Moses, said, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. And so Jesus used this very same name, title for God. And at that time, they pick up stones to stone him because he declared that he is, I am. And just as Jesus's words, his works testified that he was, is the Christ, they also testified that he was God, which was understood by the Jews. That's why they attempted to stone him. They knew what Jesus meant. They were saying in the beginning, just tell us plainly. But they understood what he was getting at. They took up stones to stone him. They would say in John 19, 7, we have a law and according to our law, he ought to die because he had made himself the son of God. But Jesus went on to use the very word of God to break that argument where he said, is it not written in your law? Is it not written? It's in the book of Psalms is what he's referring to. Psalm 82 verses one and six, where God wrote that the judges of the earth we're gods. Small case G, that's why it's in the small case in your notes. But he called them gods. And so Jesus argued that the very word of God calls men gods and calls them the children of God. And so he argued that God's word declares that men are gods and that they are the children of God. It's Psalm 82, verse 1. God stands in the congregation of the mighty and he judges among the gods. And so that's Elohim in the Hebrew. And it's in a small case, he's referring to the judges of the earth. God judges the judges. That's a good thing to know. That God judges the judges. Because even in our world today, we have many unjust judges in our world. And sometimes 
They rule against the just in very negative ways. But one day they'll have to stand before the judge of all mankind. God judges the little gods. God judges the judges, we could say. But he goes on in verse 6 to say, Psalm 82, 6, You are gods, little g, and all of you are children of the Most High. So he called them children of God. Jesus said, I'm the Son of God. Jesus declared that I am God, and they took up stones to stone him. Also, Jesus declared the inerrancy of Scripture. Today we have in our world today where people are saying that, yeah, you can't trust the Bible. It was compiled by a bunch of guys that really didn't know what they were talking about. That's usually, I heard, okay, this is be a little political, but I heard this week, a news reporter, Fox News, so conservative news, asking someone, why don't you like Trump's policies? And the person responds, I just don't like his policies. And so he said, which ones? You know, his policies. Okay, let's get specific on this. He couldn't. You know what he said is, well, it's awful hot out now. So apparently, Trump is being accused of global warming today. <laughs> That's all I can say. It's, it's hot. Well... It is. But people take it to the Word of God, and this is what I meant by this. People will say you can't trust the Bible, but they've never read the Bible, never studied the Bible, but they've heard that you can't trust the Bible. And so you could say, well, tell me the verses in the Bible that we can't trust. You know, the Bible. Which ones? I don't know. It's awful hot, isn't it? Because you're putting them on the spot. That's why they were getting hot. The scripture, what Jesus said here, he's talking about the inerrancy of scripture. The scripture cannot be broken, verse 35. And it's an amazing book that was compiled over 1,400 years, some believe, by 40 different authors, inspired by the Holy Spirit, which tells us in 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of God, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And also in Matthew 5:18, for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot nor tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Jesus said, one jot, one tittle, it's uh, the accent marks that's found in Hebrew and Greek languages we might be able to say, no cross of a T, no dot of an I will pass away until all is fulfilled. But he's talking about the inerrancy of Scripture, which the Jews believed, the Scripture which cannot be broken. But he goes on to say, if you don't believe me and my words, believe the works themselves. If you don't believe the works of my Father, do not believe me, he says in verse 37. But if I do the works, so if I don't do the works of my Father, don't believe me. But if I do the Father's works, though you do not believe me, believe the works, because they testify of me. You know, John only recorded seven miracles in his gospel. And we have had six of them given to us so far. Only seven miracles. The first was the turning of water into wine in John chapter 2. 
the healing of a nobleman's son in John chapter 4, the healing of a man who had an infirmity for 38 years in John 5, the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6, and walking on water in John 6, the healing of the man born blind in John chapter 9, and next week we'll look at the seventh miracle, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. He only recorded seven, but John believed that these were sufficient. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And we've already studied six of the seven. We'll look at number seven next week. But John said, these are sufficient. This is all you need. He did many more, but this is enough. For someone to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So he declared to them that if you don't believe my words, believe at least the works that the Father has given me to do. And Jesus's works were are a testimony that he is the Christ, the Son of God. And as we close out, we have the calm before the storm, verses 39 through 42. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hands. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at the first. And there he stayed. And many came to him and said, John performed signs, but all the things that John spoke about this man are true. And many believed in him there. We have a calm before the storm. As we began in verse 22, we learned it's about three or four months before his crucifixion. It's the winter time. And he's there in Jerusalem in the uh, temple at Solomon's porch teaching the people. But twice it tells us they took up stones to kill him. And this final time Jesus uh, slipped out of their presence. And I believe the reason he slipped out of their presence, a couple of things. One, he wasn't going to be stoned to death for the sins of the world. That's not how God ordained things to take place. Stoning was not going to be the method of his death. In fact, they had the right of capital punishment, which their method of capital punishment was stoning. That was taken away from them by the Romans at the time of Christ's birth. So they had no right to kill someone. We find in the book of Acts that they will stone Stephen to death. It doesn't mean that they didn't do it. They didn't have legal authority to do it. But also I think there's another great thing at play if the Jews would have stoned Jesus, then everyone who has called the Jews Christ killers would be correct. But Jesus died on a cross, the instrument of Roman capital punishment, that he might die for the sins of the whole world, for both the Jews and the Gentiles. Therefore, he died, yes, but he died not by the hands of merely the Jews, but also the Gentiles, because he died for the whole world, that all through him might come to saving faith. But the Bible prophesied of the tree in Deuteronomy 21:22, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, verse 23. You shall bury him that day and so that you do not defile the land which the Lord has given you. And then it says as it closes out, there in Deuteronomy 21, 23, for he who is hanged on a tree 
is cursed of God. Paul picks up on this in Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And Jesus became a curse for us that we might become the sons and daughters of God. And then verse 40 tells us he's beyond the Jordan. This exact location is not known to us today. We have it in scripture. They just, as far as uh, trying to discover exact locations, as we plan to go to Israel next year, if you go on the trip with this, you'll discover that some of the exact locations of where Jesus did this or did that is more convenient to the roads. It's easier to get to. And I'm not talking about modern day. This is from hundreds of years ago. They just determined that that's too far to bring visitors to. So we'll build a church here and declare that this is the place. It's a lot closer. And they made it more convenient. And so there are areas where it's just in question of where these exact locations would take place. But also, it wasn't Jesus' hour. In John's Gospel, he mentions his hour ten times. Like, my hour has not yet come. Or his hour had not yet come. Jesus would say it, my hour, my time has not yet come. John would write about it. He slipped away from them because his hour had not yet come. And that'll change in John chapter 12, in verse 23, where Jesus will declare, the hour has come. And he will actually pray in John 12, 27, twice, Father, save me from this hour. But in John 1, 28, we learn that John was baptizing in Beth Bara beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. So we just don't know the exact location, partly because there's two different Greek manuscripts that have two different names for the location. One name means the fairy house. Speaks about water, perhaps, a lot of water. It makes sense. The other name means the house of dates. And so they have two different, very close. The names are in the Greek are very close. They're only spelt differently by only a, a few letters. And so it's kind of in question, the exact location. But what we understand today is that Jesus got away a little, as I said, a calm before the storm. He just escaped the hostility of Jerusalem as the disciples would gather to him there where he first was baptized by John the Baptist, where John the Baptist himself ministered to the people. And people came to him, verses 41 and 42. And they said, John performed no signs, but everything that John spoke about Jesus is true. And many believed on him. And that's all Jesus asked. He said, if you don't believe my words, believe the works. And yet, there were those who refused to believe. Today, we have the testimony of God's word. And we have the work of the Lord through the church. And God is still working among his people today. And so we still have the same testimony today of the words and the works that we see happening in the lives of people, in the lives of believers. How God just does wonderful and marvelous things. We should be encouraged in the day and age that we live in, that Jesus is still on the throne. We should be encouraged that, well, no one will be able to snatch us out of Jesus's hands or the Father's hands. 
that Jesus is there making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. It may be that we would not only believe and receive the gift of salvation in our life, but will we continue to grow? And as we continue to grow, will we go into this world to be witnesses of him? It's right behind me, right? Believe, receive, grow, and go. And here's the verses that we are to believe in Hebrews 11, 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I came to the realization before you can rightly believe in Jesus, you've got to believe in God. And that's why I put it first on the list. You have to believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So before we can receive faith in Jesus Christ, we first must believe in God. Secondly, we receive. Romans 5.17 If by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, talking about Adam's sin, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. And basically, Paul just arguing, saying that if all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because of Adam and his sin at the fall there in the book of Genesis, well, all will be saved through the one, through the work of Jesus Christ, for those who put their faith in him and receive him as their savior. But it's not just about becoming a believer, making sure we get to go to heaven. It's about growing in our faith. I was talking to an individual this week that told me that they never really read through the Bible too often, but they have made a determination that I'm reading through the Bible this year, and they're on a plan for it. In fact, I was talking to, having lunch with our friend Spark Ball, used to be the executive director of Love in the Name of Christ, and he took a secular job that he could uh, provide health care for his wife who has cancer, and so keep Cindy in your prayers. As Spark was saying that he meets with four guys that they plan this reading plan through the Bible, and then they change their mind. It's halfway through the year, and he just reminded them, this is what we said we're going to do in January. I'm finishing it. I'm going through it. I'm doing this plan. And they can do what they need to do, I guess. But we need to grow. As Peter reminds us, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And finally, for growth to take place, it's a great thing, but you have to do something with it. You have to go. You have to share your faith with others. And that's what Jesus commissioned the church to do. As we know in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The promise of Jesus. Has anybody ever tried to share their faith with someone and got a little nervous doing it? Jesus promised, I am with you. That should give us a little courage. Even when the nerves set in. I've discovered and I've been reading the word for a while and sharing my faith with others for a while. I've discovered that God can work through my hiccups. Meaning that I'll mess up. 
I'll get it wrong sometimes, but he can still work through it. I've discovered that all he wants us to do is to be faithful. And I would challenge us to do that today. Faithfulness begins coming to faith in Jesus Christ, first and foremost. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, that's the first step. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, may I encourage you to grow in your faith that you might go and share of the great love of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he has afforded us. Father, we thank you for your word and for what is taught us today. And I pray, Lord, that you would just bless this time as we close out in this final song. And we pray, Lord, if there's someone whose heart's been challenged today, maybe it's an issue of eternal security and you're just wanting to remind them today that their initial prayer of salvation that they made to you at some time past, Lord, that they are still saved, that you have them in your hands. Maybe, Lord, you just need to remind a brother or sister of that today. Or perhaps, Lord, it's someone wanting to accept you as their Savior for the very first time. Or maybe, Lord, it's a commitment to just growing in our faith. Whatever you challenge us, Lord, in this final song, may your spirit work among us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.